0: Church Charlotte. Uh, I know this about churches. I'm, let me just say, as a qualifier, I've been around churches my whole life. Um, I joined this church when I was four years old, and I promptly went to sleep under the nearest pew because that was how you roll when you're a PK. Um, <laughs> And so I have some, I have some time here um, and I just want to say I am invested in every possible way it is to be invested in this church. I want this church to succeed and I know if Sunday doesn't work, nothing works. <laughs> churches aren't held together (laughs) by any other function. We do a lot of other things, but that's not what holds the church together. What holds the church together is people joining our hearts of praise and worship and centering our lives upon the presence and the power of God. And can somebody say amen? amen? That happens on Sunday. It happens on Sunday. Um, And so, uh, those of you who are committed to making Sunday as good as it can be, whether it's greeting people outside or serving uh, in the production that allows us to put, send our our services uh, literally anywhere that technology can go, I want to say thank you. There are opportunities for that. I hope all of you see it as a valuable thing the cohesiveness of the church that happens on Sunday, and all of you, particularly particularly those of you who have been saved for more than a minute, Uh, I want to find a place for you to invest in the work of God in this community. Amen. Uh, So thank you to our team. Thank you to uh, J-Mac over here on the keys. Uh, It's not his name. That's his nickname, but I get to call him that. You know, he calls me P-Nate, so I call him J-Mac. See how that works? Uh, Thankful to uh, Andrew Running Sound. I'm... I'm, uh, have i better stop i 'm having i 'm having uh, light issues up here i uh, 'm glad for all of you who support the house by joining your worship to uh, this moment. Uh, I know theoretically you can you know believe in Jesus and not be a part of a, the body of Christ, but I want you to know that the plan that God has for you is to be integrated into a local imperfect community of people who are trying to orient themselves upon Jesus Christ as their hope and their redeemer. It's not supposed to be perfect. If it was supposed to be perfect, you wouldn't be a part of it, and I wouldn't be the pastor. It was never supposed to be perfect. That's why it's a trap for you to fall into the habit of criticizing the church. It's a trap. It's a trap to fall into because it was never meant to be perfect. You wouldn't be welcome if it was perfect. Um, There would be no redemptive story, no theology of grace if it was perfect. The church is flawed. It was supposed to be flawed. A perfect church didn't need a cross, didn't need a lamb, do you see? And so there's a trap of falling into criticizing the church, particularly when you associate the emotions. I I may or may not preach my message today. Let me just see how it goes. Um, uh, When you associate your emotions of... Uh, personal experience relative to praise and worship with what the church is supposed to be, what the church is supposed to have. Um, I don't want to fall into the trap of being critical about the church. Is the church promoting Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life? Can I have an amen? Is the church oriented in working with imperfect people who are surrounding around their, your life and the church's life, your location and the church's location? Is the church seeking to create a healthy path of spiritual becoming for the people it's coming in contact with? If those answers are yes, that's more important with what, than whether or not you like every detail of everybody or every staff member in the church. All right, I'm going to stop. I'll, I'll come back to this again. Uh, we have to care about the witness that God has placed in the earth. We have to desire to be a part of that witness. And we have to desire that the witness is biblical, not, um, it, it, uh, not preferential. It's biblical. And so that is what we're, we're, we're striving for imperfectly because that is the only way we can do it. The critic forgets that they aren't perfect either. They just have forgiven themselves of their wrongs. <laughs> the critic forgets they're not getting it right either. They've just forgiven themselves for their errors. They just have problems with other people's errors. The critic forgets that they don't understand prophecy either. They just have gotten comfortable to criticize other people's errors. The Lord gives his image, his life, his uh, teachings as a way, uh, not a formula. It's a way of being. And as long as it's a way, you have to stop. You have to stop having a, a super motivating, critical spirit about uh, what other people are doing. They, the question is not, are they getting it right? Is the question is, are they on their way? See the only way you get accepted is if you're on your way cuz there's you've never I don't care how much Lee Stone King sermons you've listened to you don't you you you're not you don't you haven't arrived do you understand what I'm saying so the question for you is on you are you on your way yes. Uh, Let me talk to parents real quick, and I'm not preaching this. I actually have something to preach, but I just want to say to parents, um, if you try to parent your children with formula, you're going to spend most of your life in a type of war with them. You're going to be in a type of war with them because your formula is not matching their formula. And so if you're not careful, particularly if you have a certain personality type, you will so be at war with them that not only will you drive them away, but you will ensure they will never darken the door of a church you're a member of. Because you've made the war one of positions, one of formulas, one of theological debate, rather than a calling to a way their way is not going to be your way, but is it oriented on Jesus? Yeah. If you taught them something when they are old, it will resonate with them. No, it may not resonate with them now. Kids never think their parents are cool, except for my kids, and they're, they're different because I'm a man of violence. <laughs> <laughs> it's like my son says, violence is never the answer. Violence is the question. The answer is yes. Uh, I want to talk to you about, I'm going to starting a two-Sunday series today about the Holy Ghost. Next Sunday is the uh, celebrated Day of Pentecost, which was part of the Feast of Tabernacles uh, where the Holy Spirit was poured out uh, on the Day of Pentecost with the sign, among other things, of uh, fire, wind, and tongues, fire, wind, and tongues. Um, we're going to talk about the signs next week, we're going to talk about the symbols this week, uh, because if I am not hungry to understand, there's very little chance that I will get it right through superstition or sentiment. I want to say that again. If I'm not desperately hungry to be accurate to the Word of God, and if I don't go to the Word of God with a hunger in my heart, there's zero chance I'm going to get right through emotion or sentiment. You see what I'm saying? I've got to care about the Bible. Somebody say it with me. We have to care about the Bible. There is no church without the Bible. It does not matter if what the Bible says reassures us or not. The Bible is true. We are the ones who must change to the Bible. We don't change the Bible to us. Uh, so there are symbols of the Holy Spirit. Next week, we'll talk about signs, unless the Lord leads me another direction. So I'm going to give you uh, kind of a, a biblical grounding first, and then I'm going to make a spiritual application. I'm going to need to move quickly, because there is a ton of Scripture, and that is after I cut a lot out. So five biblical symbols of the Holy Spirit. Five biblical symbols of the Holy Spirit it, um, I would create a little memory tool that goes like this, O-F-W-W-D, O-F-W-W-D, and it is oil, fire, wind, water, and a dove, five biblical symbols. I want you to say this with me again, we have to care about the Bible, There are five biblical symbols, and they are OFWWD, oil, fire, water, wind, and the dove. Now, why would God teach us symbolically of the Spirit? Well, there is a very simple reason that even so is often missed. The reason why we are taught in symbols is because the realm of the Spirit is so profoundly different than our senses that you will notice all symbols are a way to bridge the realm of Spirit with the realm of sense. We learn and grow through our senses. We see, touch, feel, hear. You get the idea. We grow through senses. The Spirit realm is not sense-based. Okay? And so the difference of the, the bridge of instruction between the realm of the spirit to what we can understand is always going to involve our senses. Those symbols are going to be things you have experienced, so you can learn about something that exists outside of your experience. Now if you struggle with symbols or if symbols just feel like mythology to you when you try to argue them away, you will have denied God's classroom. Because whether he is using Old Testament symbol or New Testament parable, all spiritual teaching is a bridge between what exists but is hard for me to know to what exists and I know and symbolic Connection that I might understand. So let's get started. Uh, the Holy Spirit taught to us as anointing oil. What does that mean? Now, in the Old Testament, there is an anointing that is given to an individual when the Holy Ghost comes upon them or God's Spirit comes upon them to lead them and teach them. 1 Samuel chapter 16 verse number 13 Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him. Who is him? King David. Anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. The Spirit of the Lord. I wish you'd say it with me. The spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Uh, This is the sign of an anointing of God upon an individual. It goes further than that. If you look at the term Messiah in the Hebrew or Christ in the Greek, what does it mean? He is called the Messiah. He is called the Christ. Same word. Different language, same meaning. (laughs) Come on, church folks. You folks are supposed to know something. Somebody holler out at me. Uh, No one hollered out at me what I was looking for. What does Christ and Messiah mean? The anointed one. I need you to elbow your neighbor and say, don't miss that question again, okay? What does Messiah or Christ mean? The anointed one. Why do I want Jesus in my life? I need anointing down here. Why do I need a Messiah in my life? I need anointing. Somebody praise God for the anointing here. (laughs) All right, sorry for the impromptu quiz. I didn't mean to put you on the spot like that. Uh, Book of Acts, Peter's preaching, Acts 10, verse 38. And he's telling how God anointed, 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 anointed Jesus of Nazareth, how? With the Holy Spirit and with power. So that enabled Jesus to go around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And so, anointing is God's power for God's purpose. Notice how I added something there. God's power for God's purpose. You can be in the house of uh, Israel, but not be anointed by the prophet. Was David's father a man in good standing? Yes. Why was David anointed? Because there was a purpose on David's life. So let me say this. If you have no purpose, you don't need any anointing anointing is when your life is adopted by God for God's purpose and then you are trusted with God's power. This is the lesson of the anointing as oil poured upon the head of an individual, particularly in the Old Testament, but also the New, when their life has been chosen by God not for their own purpose but for god 's purpose, and they are empowered by God for god 's purpose. there 's no sense praying for anointing if you look still looking for your best life. If you're looking to promote yourself, you don't need anointing to promote yourself. Your mama prepped you to promote yourself. How did she do that? She loved you more than everybody else except your siblings, and then she lied. You know she loved your siblings more. Uh, that's funny. I don't care what y'all say. Uh, you, you see what I'm saying here? Uh, this is anointing where your life is chosen by God for His purpose. Somebody say His purpose. And to fulfill it, you're giving, uh, you're giving uh, His power. God, we need your purpose in our life and we need your power upon us in Jesus' name. Uh, The second symbol as we move briskly along in a most advantageous, economical, and productive manner. uh, The second symbol is fire. Remember, OFWWD. The O is the oil. The F is the fire. Fire is always Old Testament, new and new, a symbol of God's very presence among you. Not in the sense that God is everywhere, but that God is manifesting himself right here. That's the sign of the fire. Not that God is everywhere. God is, of course, everywhere. In him we live, move, and have our being. God does not exist in the world. The world exists in God. And so uh, you must see that fire is the sign. It's a symbolic thing. Everybody's experienced. You know what fire is like. If not, you need to go camping, honey. Um, you have fire. You have experienced a fire. This exists in your realm of experience. Therefore, it can be used to teach you about something where you have no sensory experience. Right. So fire is a presence, is a symbol of God's literal veritable, manifest presence, not just in the sense that God's everywhere, but in the sense that God is here and he wants you to know it. Man, if I could preach, I could preach. Boy, that would preach. I'd get this whole section over here prayed through if I could preach that right there. It's not just that God's everywhere, it's that God is here and he wants you to know it. Lord, demonstrate your power among your people, oh God. Demonstrate it in my life. Demonstrate it in my church, oh God. Demonstrate it in my neighborhood. Demonstrate it in my city. In Jesus' name we pray. We know you're everywhere, but we want you to show up and show out in this house. So the symbol starts, remember the uh, uh, principle of first mention in your Bible study, Uh, uh, you see the fire in the burning bush that is not consumed. Uh, We are, as it were, and this is the presence of God, we are uh, that bush, we are that growing tree and we're a light with a fire that does not consume us. We are not consumed by it because God is a consuming fire. So how do we not be consumed? That's the story of grace. Another message, another time. We are... Inflamed with the presence of God. And the Bible says in all this, you can read the story in Exodus chapter number three, Moses turns away from the sight because he was afraid to look at God. God chose a manner in which to show him something and he's afraid to look at it. Sounds like some places I've tried to preach. Uh, God's trying to show and they he, Moses, won't look at it uh, because of his reverence, which is a good thing. Um, But at some point, you have to open your eyes to what God is doing, not just what God has done. Uh, Paul, in the New Testament, will explain the second coming of Christ as in blazing fire, 2 Thessalonians. This fire is even more shown in that. John the Baptist prophesied of Jesus that he would baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John's known for water. John says, I know I'm known for water. That man, Jesus, is going to be known for Holy Ghost and fire, Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, what happens? uh, Tongues of fire appeared upon each of them, and they are filled with the Holy Spirit. That fire becomes a visible manifestation in that moment in the same manner that that moment was a fulfillment of the new temple when Solomon prayed, will God dwell with us? Will the presence of God dwell with us? There are 120 priests ministering in that new temple. Solomon prays, will God's spirit dwell with us? What happens? The fire falls in that temple and the 120 priests cannot minister. They're so overwhelmed by the manifestation of God, not just everywhere, but right here, right now, and I want you to know it. So the day of Pentecost becomes a fulfillment of Solomon's moment, where Solomon asks this question, will God dwell with man? And the Lord answers this question again. Jesus said, Terry, until you be endued with power. What are they doing? They tarry. They wait 10 days. That's a long prayer meeting. That's a long anything. If you doubt that, you need to go on a 10-day fast. It's been too long. (laughs) Only with your doctor's care. (laughs) And so so, uh, the fire becomes a sign to them and a symbol to us. And so this is repetitive Uh, in the Bible, this image of fire. The next one is the wind. Now, in the Old Testament language, wind is uh, ruach, or it can also uh, be um, uh, uh, pneuma. That's where we get pneumonia. You lose your wind. You have a sickness of the wind. (laughs) Pneuma or uh, a rock uh, rock, I don't, I massacre on that pronunciation. Uh, languages is not my specialty. And so in the New Testament, the word for spirit is Numa. Old Testament, the word is ruck. And so here you see both of them being the same word, which is wind. And on the day of Pentecost, there came a sound from heaven as a rushing, mighty wind that fills all the house where they were sitting. It was a sign to them and a symbol to us. There are some things that continue to us, those are signs to us. We're given a lot of them in the New Testament. They are specific things we can look for. They are signs to us or they are there are some things that are signs to us that are not given or there are symbols to us. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, <laughs> I want you to get the idea. When something is a teaching symbol, it's not testimony to us, it's a learning to us. And so that's the difference in signs and symbols. When people are filled with the presence of the Lord, we don't hear the sound of a rushing mighty wind unless the church uh, is by the railroad tracks. I grew up in a church right by the railroad tracks and every Sunday morning the train would come through and my dad would be preaching and he would have to stop and he would say the same thing every Sunday all stand and lift our hands and praise the Lord. So every Sunday morning while the freight train went by, the whole church stood up and praised and worshiped the Lord. Uh, once or twice, there was an altar call going on, and it was like the sound of a rushing mighty wind until they blew the horn, and that messed it up. But <laughs> This is a symbol to us. Now, it's not just a symbol to us. Um, remember Jesus' teaching. He's visited at night by a well-known man of the community who is a, uh, a member of the Sanhedrin. He is a man of influence. And he wants to know how he can receive what Jesus is talking about. And Jesus tries to introduce him to the idea of living a life of the Spirit and uh, you have to be reborn to live a life of the Spirit. And he doesn't understand this at all, and he says, how can I, how can I be reborn? I've already been born. And he doesn't realize Jesus is talking about a different kind of birth. Yes. And uh, in the same conversation, um, the, there's this statement made that uh, the Spirit is like the wind, it goes where it wills, which in that moment, in that conversation, is basically Jesus saying this, look, I can't tell you how to receive this rebirth. You have to seek this. The wind goes where it wills. It, it goes where you can't command the moving of God's spirit. So what do you do? You seek it. Yes. So let me say it this way. If you are not seeking after the leading of God in your life, there is no chance you're finding it. Yes, that's right. I can't tell you how to live a spiritual life. I can tell you how to live a more spiritual life. Not the same thing. Don't have time to explain. You have to seek something. You're a unique person. You have a unique formative back ground. You have a unique set of challenges, struggles, temptations, blessings, and gifts. You have to seek, ask, and knock. And if you're not willing to do that, it doesn't matter how much you go to church. You are not living a spiritual life. The Spirit moves where it will. You can't put God in a hammerlock and make Him show up just because you had something you wanted, needed, desired. The Spirit, that's the lesson. You're seeking a spiritual birth. I am seeking a spiritual newness. And again, religion is not a substitute for seeking. I have to hunger it. So let me preach to some church people here for a little while. How hungry are you? I don't mean how faithful you are to church. Church is an aid. Church is just a help to you. Church is just something that is an assist where you come together and you multiply your spiritual influence through spiritual community. One will put 1,000. thousand, two will put 10,000. That's the point. It's, but you can have a habit of religion and not really be hungry. Come on, man. (laughs) Is anybody hungry here today? We can get so prissy in religion and not be hungry. We can get so proper in religion and not be hungry. We can get so judgy in religion and not be hungry. We can go through life deciding who's good, who's bad, and never stop to ask ourselves, we don't even know if we're good or bad. That's the whole point of the Sermon on the Mount. It's hard to know the motivation of your own heart. It's easy to know what you did. It's not easy to know why you did it. That's the Pharisee problem. Are you hungry, or do you just want to be religious? I love everybody. I'm going to give you a big hug and kiss after church. Uh, I want to be hungry. Uh, This pursuing of the presence of God, this wind—it goes where it will. And finally, the symbol of water. Water repeatedly is a symbol in the New Testament, teaching us of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Prophet Ezekiel in compares this uh, infilling of the Spirit of God with the cleansing of the heart. Ezekiel 36, verse number 25: I will sprinkle new water on you, and you will be clean. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. Thank you, Jesus. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. Somebody help me. Thank you, Jesus. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Thank you, Jesus. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my law. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Uh, The Feast of Tabernacles is when we uh, celebrate uh, uh, the day of uh, Pentecost and, um, It is signified, there's a symbol on this day, and it is the pouring out of water. That's the teaching symbol uh, on this day. It is the final ritual of this feast. And uh, Zechariah wrote of a day when Messiah would come, Zechariah 14 and 16. Then the survivors from all the nations that have attacked Jerusalem will go up year after year to worship the king the Lord Almighty and to celebrate the feast of tabernacles. This feast is finished by the pouring out of water, the pouring out of water. And, uh, Jesus will signify this in John seven, verse number 37. On the last and most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and shouted, if you are thirsty, come to me and drink. Have faith in me and you will have life giving water. Flowing deep inside you, just as the scripture said, Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit who would be given to everyone that had faith in him. The Spirit had not yet been given to anyone since Jesus had not yet been given his full glory john seven thirty seven to thirty nine so water becomes a teaching example of the Spirit in our life in a wilderness, a dry wilderness water is life. Water is not an aesthetic that you appreciate because it's beautiful. It's not re- just simply refreshing because you're hot. Water is life. Life, uh, you know, death doesn't care if you're uh, uncomfortable hot. It will come for you anyway. Water is life. Water is life. And so Jesus meets with the woman of Samaria and he says, um, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for water. Uh, John four fourteen. But those who drink the water I will give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to what? To everlasting life. And John will write later at the end of his life, he will write a book called Revelation. And he writes in chapter 21, verse number six, then he said it to me. This is the Lord speaking. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end to the thirsty. Is anybody thirsty? I I don't want to, I would much rather pastor a church of thirsty people than I would pastor a church of proper people. Just being honest with you, uh, I, I don't know what proper is. I know proper changes with generation; it changes with culture. Most of the stuff we do in church, if we did the same thing in Paul's church, we would have been kicked out of the church. Just because you don't know history doesn't mean it's not true. Come on. All, all that can change. I would much rather pastor imperfect people that are hungry for God. Yeah. I would much rather spend my life, my time, what time I have to give to the kingdom of the Lord, however he chooses to use me, with people who are hungry. It doesn't matter if you grew up in church like me. If you're not thirsty, if you're not hungry, I mean uh, we, we have to have a passion, a longing for the kingdom of God. And then we need to join with other people that our efforts are multiplied. We take the seed of faith we have, which is not very big, but we join it with other people and that is a multiplication effect upon them. How thirsty are you for living water? Water is symbolic of satisfaction, both spiritual and natural. It is symbolic of prosperity, both uh, spiritual and natural. Uh, Psalm 72, verse number six, may his reign, this is referring to uh, a king. May his reign be as refreshing as the springtime rains, like the showers that water the earth. None of us can have spiritual satisfaction without God in our life. All of us must have his presence with us. All of us must seek to walk with the Holy Spirit every day of our life. The Holy Spirit is not about the sign. The sign is so you will know what God is doing. The Holy Spirit is God with you. It is about you seeking God's presence. So you can pick any particular sign of the Holy Spirit and make it your favorite. But the sign is not really for the Holy Spirit. God knows who are his. The sign is for you. The goal is that you would walk with God. So pick a sign. Pick a sign. Whichever one is your favorite, pick that sign. If you make that your sole focus, but you're not really seeking God's presence in your life, you're missing the point. God knows who are His. The sign's not for Him. The sign's for you. That you'll have confidence with Him. The purpose, the goal, the high calling is walking with Him. Caring about His values. being changed by his presence. I will make the rivers flow on barren heights, Isaiah writes forty-one, eighteen, and springs within the valleys. I will turn the desert into pools of water and make the parched ground into springs. God, that seems like the kind of revival we need in this generation. We need the barren ground to be covered with heavenly rain. Let it well up in our life. Let it fall from above and well up from beneath. In Jesus' name we pray. The last sign, I've got to quickly finish up here. The last sign, of course, is the dove which everyone has a sense of because if you uh, spend any time outdoors, you will know uh, the appearance of a dove. Not only that, you will notice the manner of being of a dove. Um, Is it predatory? Is it not? Is it aggressive? Is it not? What is the nature of the dove? And this image, remember, symbol takes what a realm we cannot know because we do not sense it. And then it takes our senses and it says, you know what this is like over here. Well, you're not going to learn this by sense over here. So I'm going to tell you that what this is like is over here is a good teaching instructive for what is like the Holy Spirit is like. So we have here uh, five, five lessons, oil, fire, water, wind, and the dove. And I'm going to sum it all up as our musicians come. And I want you to carry this with you this week. And I want you to apply this with you uh, this, le- this week, because if you are unwilling to do that, it might be possible that what you're looking for is to make sure you're saved you're not looking to be a Jesus follower the difference is a person who just wants to be saved they just want the minimum requirement so they don't have to suffer that's not being motivated by hunger or love you just want to be saved the spirit spoke this into my spirit I told early prayer about it the lord challenged me this week I was like lord what would what 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 can i what what soul-searching question would you have me to tarry upon? And that's what I felt like the Spirit made me to know. Do, do you want to be a Jesus follower, or do you just want to be saved? Uh, because the difference is one of heart and inclination. Am I just looking for the minimum so I don't have to in any way, or am I trying to be a Jesus follower? <laughs> The difference is the level of discipleship you stop striving at. I wrote a book about this. I'd encourage, I'll give you a free copy if you'll promise to read it, okay? (laughs) I think you and three other people have actually read the book. Um, the whole point of it is what level of discipleship do you want to start up? You want the five? You start with the 5,000. They just want God to give them something. They don't care anything about his message, his heart, his call. They just say like, feed me, give me something. Then you have the 500. They believe in his lordship. They saw him after his resurrection. They believe in his lordship. The apostle Paul talks about the 500. So they believe not just in him as someone who can bless me, but he is the Christ, the son of the living God. After the 500, you have the 120. 20. Uh, they were uh, there who, uh, excuse me after the 500 you have the 120. these are the ones who are in the upper room. they are transformed. Do you see? I feel like I'm missing something. 5,500, 120, 70, 12, 3, 1. These are levels of discipleship. Uh, what, what, where are you willing to stop? Are, are you just wanting, uh, everybody wants something from the lotto uh, uh, win? Is that, is that all you want from God? Uh, or, or do you believe He's the Christ and, and, and you want to make sure you're saved, but you don't really care about following Him? Uh, or are you going to say, Lord, where you lead me, I will follow? That's real discipleship. I want to be like you. I'm not just looking for a minimum requirement. How do I make this broken world whole? You didn't ask me to carry your cross. I can't carry that. You asked me to carry my cross because I've adopted your way of being and I'm seeking to give my life for others and my abilities for others and my effort to make this broken world better and more whole. What are we seeking for? So we're back to these symbols. I'm gonna sum it all up and then we're going to pray together. Uh, The lesson of the oil is purpose for us. What is your purpose let me talk to you saved people here. Are you living with spiritual purpose or are you just content to uh, with church attendance? What is your purpose? Uh, if you want to know what real anointing is in your life, you're going to have to find what God's purpose is for you because God's not going to empower you just to have you know uh, a better vacation. That's not what the anointing is for. He's not going to empower you for the exaltation of your career. <laughs> That's not what God's anointing is for. Um, he empowers you for purpose oil teaches us something about the Holy Ghost. Can you see God's purpose in your life? And can you ask Him to empower you for that purpose? The lesson of the fire is presence. Are you really desiring the presence of God in your life? I don't want to just go through the day, but I want to in some way make room for Him. Uh, how do you, you ask the question, how do I make room for Him? Well, <laughs> it's actually very, very easy to understand. You just change one word. Instead of room, you substitute the word time. Instead of room, you substitute the word time. So instead of asking yourself, do you have room for God, ask yourself if you have time for God. Because if you don't have time for God, honey, you ain't got no room for God. The lesson of the water is motivation. What motivates you? What do I mean by motivation, the lesson of the water? Something is welling up in you. There is something in you that is welling up. What do you want from life? You see, when the Holy Spirit changes your heart, there is now an upwelling of desire for the things of God. Do you see? What, what, what are you wanting from your life? When your heart is changed, there's an the upwelling. I want to know Him better. I, wanna, I, I hunger for souls. I, I hunger for helping people. I hunger to bless others. I have this welling up within me, this water springing up inside of me. The woman at the well is pulling it up. Some of us live that way. And the Lord's trying to get her that there's a point where you don't have to pull it up anymore. It springs up. When I apply these lessons, this isn't the whole of the picture. I could I could use different... Um, because the symbols are intentional that way. They're deeper than any one Bible lesson. Um, but the point I want to say is, what wells up within you? What wells up within you? The lesson of the wind is, to me, a lesson of submission. The wind's going to do what the wind's going to do. I don't get to command the wind. Am I, I don't get to be in control. I have to follow the, lead, the wind of the Spirit. The wind moves. If God wants to bless this side of the church, I'm going to change sections, and I'm going to move from my seat to over here, and I'll be mad at Anthony that he got more blessing than me. Now, if the Spirit moves over here, you see what I'm saying? I'm going to move from Brother Anthony. I'm come right over here, and I'm going to sit by all these good-looking kids right here on the front row, and be like, "Lord, I want whatever you've got." I'm not in command here, Lord. I don't get to order people around. My job is not to drive cattle. <laughs> I'm trying to lead sheep, but I am not driving cattle. Uh, And if it moves over here, oh, it ain't never moving over there. See how I did that? That was funny. Look at them. Look at them eyes. She's cutting them eyes at me right there. That was funny. You guys get the idea. I'm not in control. A, A lot of times, the more confidence we get, the more vanity we get. And that's, it's true for us preachers, too. You know, there was a day when my knees knocked while I preached. Well, today I preach so much. My God, I preach in my dreams. And I just want you to say, some of y'all don't say amen in my dreams either. The wind's going to do what the wind's going to do. I'm not in charge of the wind. But I want to open my cells. <laughs> and I want the wind to move me. And finally, the lesson of the dove is Singular. The lesson of the dove is the gentleness of the heart of God. So let me say it this it doesn't matter how much you come to church if you don't understand God's heart. It doesn't matter how much law you can quote if you don't understand God's heart. This is how zealous people like the Pharisees could miss God so bad. It didn't matter how long they had studied the law, they missed the heart of God. And there's a gentleness to God that we can miss in our zeal for right living, and our zeal for people doing good, etc., etc. We can miss the fact that there is within the nature of God's heart toward us in our relationship, earth to heaven, heaven to earth, there is this natural instructive insight to the presence of God, the gentleness of the dove. I'm glad that you were raised strict, but did you ever learn God's heart? I'm glad you like to bless the teenagers out. Sometimes they need blessing out. (laughs) See what I did there? I got four amens right here. Well, I got three from the girls and I got one hesitant from right here. He's like, what do you mean? My middle name is blessed out. Stand with me all across the house. Is there anybody hungry for the Holy Spirit in your life? Now, next Sunday, I'm going to talk about how we receive signs of the Holy Spirit. Um, because the Holy Spirit will work with you long before you receive signs of it. That's an important, important thing for you to know. The Lord said all he needed to draw people was that if I be lifted up, I will draw all men. The disciples have been with him for three and a half years. They still haven't received the sign of what? The fire, the sign of the wind, the sign of tongues. They've been with him a long time. So I'm not, I want to get you out of the idea that the church is judging whether or not you have the Holy Ghost or not. That has not been helpful to leading people who are trying to come to a greater knowledge of God for us to sit back in judgment and us say, oh, you have it, you don't. I heard you, but you didn't have enough B's and L's thrown in there. I mean, come on, who do we think we are? We've got to get away from this idea of judging the Holy Spirit and ask ourselves, is the Spirit drawing? Is the Spirit leading? Is the Spirit involved in your life? I want you to have signs because your personal confidence will change when you have a personal testimony of God's Spirit in your life. And that will come with transformation of desires, transformation of values. It will come with a manner of the kind of person you want to be, the kind of life you want to live, what wells up within you will be different, do you see? What moves you from this way to that way will be different, do you see? The purpose for your living will be different. That's the oil, are you seeing? The enthusiasm of what you are seeking will be different, that's the fire. The water of what you are motivated to seek, you know Surprising, because you will have a transformation to the heart of God in your life. So where do we start? Well, first of all, I want you to start with repentance, and then I want you to thank God on a regular basis for his presence with you. I want you to start with repentance. All repentance is, is my way is wrong, your way is right. That's why the word repentance is from Roman military march. Repentance is not a praise word, it's a military word. And if you ever go to Italy and watch a Parade of Arms, you will see and hear the word repent shouted out and you'll notice the soldiers are going this way and then they hear repent. You got to roll your tongue, it sounds better. And then they go the other way. It's a military word. You know what you do when you repent? We say my way's wrong, your way's right. I'm not going my way, I'm going your way. Now you can call it all kinds of things. The denominational world has called it confession uh, confession, it has a very powerful spiritual principle and point. But the sum of it all, this idea of not me, you, not my way, your way. That's where you start. Now, the moment you start doing that, you should start allowing the process to work in your life.
1: I want you to start
0: believing that God is with you. I want you to start praising God in your life. I want you to walk with him. That's what the disciples As you do so, you're going to get to a point where after you have grown, after you have learned, after you have become, and after you've tarried, it's going to be a very natural thing for you for spiritual signs to be given to you, which transform your personal confidence. Now, we, because of who we are and because of our great desire to have an apostolic style church, in other words, we want to do it like the first century church did it. And that's our primary motivation. We actually pray for people to receive the sign of tongues as they are worshiping. After they've repented, we encourage people to be baptized. Uh, We encourage people to get comfortable and worship. We want you to receive that as soon as possible. But, like Jesus, you know, uh, told uh, Nicodemus, look, Has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at FirstChurchCLT.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text Give. 27044455353 We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.